This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Mariner's Pod. Thanks for being back once again as we have a lot to cover here in this edition of the Mariner's Baseball Podcast. Thanks for being here. Gary Hill back again. Mariners got off to a strong start in Tampa Bay yesterday, technically in St. Pete yesterday, playing Tampa Bay as they take game one of the series against the Rays. We'll have the highlights and reaction from that. We'll also get a chance to know Abraham Toro as Shannon Dreyer sits down with the newest Mariner. And we will visit with Jake Mailhot. You see him at Fangraphs, at Lookout Landing. He has a very interesting piece about, uh, well, what the Mariners' season has been like so far. And we have a kind of a wide-ranging conversation about the uh, what has happened to the Mariners so far, about the trade deadline, uh, what it looks like against the A's and Yankees, and this road trip. So we dive into a lot of different topics involving the Mariners. First things first, though, coming off of the two losses back-to-back walk-off losses against the Texas Rangers. Mariners looking to bounce back against Tampa Bay. Of course, the Rays in first place. They had just swept Boston over the weekend. You knew this was going to be a really tough series. Of course, the Mariners swept aside Tampa Bay in four games in Seattle earlier this season. Three of those in walk-off style. Rays, a really good ball club. The Mariners, though, they got some great pitching from Chris Flexen, just solid in this one. Six and two-thirds, gives up just a couple runs, a couple walks, six strikeouts. Meanwhile, the Mariners bust loose offensively. They put a five-spot on the board in the third inning. Here comes this 2-0. Swung on, cracked to the right side, through past the lunging. Lau into right field, a base hit. Here comes Seager. He's going to score. France around third base. He's going to trot home. And Jake Fraley rams a base hit into right field. The Mariners with two more on the board. It is four to nothing Mariners. Welcome back. Jake Fraley in the lineup for the first time in a couple of weeks. Had two hits, two ribbies, a walk, of course. Also a diving catch in left field. Great to see him back in the lineup. He was excellent coming back. And then Ty France with a huge blast. From the stretch, just 3-1. Swung on and blasted the left field. This is crushed. How far is this going to go? Way back near the aisle way and left center field. Ty France just destroyed a ball. Demolished it. A solo home run. His 11th, his third hit of the ball game. And the Mariners add to the lead. 7-2 as Ty France goes yard in a big, big way. 8-2, 8-2, Mariners went 11 hits on the board in the ball game. Crawford had two hits and a walk. Hanniger, two hits and a walk. Now, Ty France, three hits, drives in three, just a triple away from the cycle. Fraley, two hits and a walk. Kellick repped an RBI single as well. He drew a walk. Just a really good day at the plate. And we talked about the last two games against the Texas Rangers. They stuffed the bases with guys throughout the ball game. just couldn't get the hits 
when they needed him to drive and runs, and that was very different against Tampa Bay in Game One of the series. Eight to two winners in Game One. Here's what Scott Service had to say after the ball game. Yeah, uh, great ball game all around. Uh, we put the, the pitching, the starting pitching together with uh, a lot of really good bats. Um, big um, offensive night for us as well. But uh, I gotta often say it starts with the guy in the bump, and, and uh, Flex was great. Uh, awesome outing tonight. He picks up his 10th win, and wow, where would we be without him uh, and the effort he's given us throughout the year? So, uh, heck of a job. I thought, you know, really mixed in a quality curveball tonight. It was really a pitch we thought could work well against this club, um, you know, along with the changeup and got some fastballs above the barrel and did a heck of a job. And, you know, running a little deeper in the game, we had a big enough lead, um, trying to maybe save one guy to the bullpen tonight, and we certainly did. So, uh, also, I thought a really good job by Joe Smith as he starts to get uh, acclimated to our ball club. And, you know, I know he's had a couple different meetings with our pitching coaches, maybe try to tweak his usage, usage of his pitches a little bit. And I thought he threw the ball uh, awesome as well. Offensively, you know, Ty France continues to, to put together a heck of a season. Uh, going to get three knocks tonight. Really nice to have Jake Fraley back in the lineup. Uh, offensively, a couple knocks, getting on base with a walk on top of that. And then, a really nice catch in the outfield. So uh, I think our lineup is getting deeper, uh, lengthening it out, and you know the, the two young pups at the end. I thought I had some good bats tonight too, but uh, good way to start this series against a quality opponent. And certainly Tampa's been playing really good, and you know we match up well against them. We've played well against them all year. So hopefully it continues here a couple more days in Tampa before we head to New York. But I'll take any questions. Scott, uh, Chris, you know even I think he had. Uh, 12 or 13 1-0 counts where he didn't get first pitch strike and 10 times or nine times he came back with a strike right away. He just seems to really get what you guys are preaching about the control of the zone and it seems to be working for him. Well, I think all pitchers who <laughs> put 10 wins up in this league, that's what they do. Um, even if you got great, you know, you have a 96, 97 mile an hour fastball and other pitches, you still have to control the zone. And and Flex does. For some nights, he's better on the first pitch strikes. Tonight, like you said, Ryan, he wasn't really dominating OOs, but he got back into counts and then flipped it on the 1-1 counts. It was in pretty good uh, spots there, but uh, um, really happy with the way he, he threw the ball. And again, you know, that curveball has really come along. I thought he threw a lot of them, certainly later in the game. As the guy saw him for the second and third time, uh, he went to it off and he had a good feel for it tonight in the zone and then taking it below the zone. And it really works great north-south off with his riding fastball. So uh, um, nice combo and it worked out great for him tonight. I think we mentioned this before, Scott, but where would you be without him? I mean, like the number of starts and I mean the number of six inning plus starts that he's given you. Yeah, and I know everybody, you know, when we first signed Flex, it wasn't really the, the sexy sign, so to speak. Everybody didn't really know much about him. Oh, yeah, he went to Korea. But uh, credit to our um, our front office group, our scouts, identifying him as a target guy to go after and then being aggressive enough to, to sign him, you know, as there was other clubs on him as well. And our guy stepped out, just thought he'd be a great fit as a guy who could, could take the ball, uh, stay healthy. He's coming off a normal season where everybody else only had 10 starts. He pitched an entire year last year, and you see it. He's still got plenty in the tank. Uh, love the way he, he goes about his business. And this guy's super intense. Uh, the more you're around him, his tendency to be a little bit too hard on himself. But he's got 10 wins, and, you know, coming into the season, you don't quite know what to expect. But heck of a job uh, by our people identifying that, that he'd be a guy that could fit for us, not just this year, but going forward. Because he fits age-wise. He lines up with the rest of our guys. 
Scott, when you get go ahead. Scott, when you guys had run, runners in scoring position tonight, you know the team was able to come through. Felt like time and time again, and drive those runs in, and it felt like that played, you know, a huge role in the win tonight, especially after yesterday, where nothing really seemed to drop for the team. Yeah, Tyler, that's that's what happens, and I think as uh, as much as uh, you know, fans think that guys aren't trying, we had the same quality at bats tonight as we did yesterday. You know, we had six or seven balls in the screws yesterday that were caught. And tonight they found some holes and everybody's like, yeah, we tried harder tonight. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You know, guys give good effort. We have a really good game plan. I thought the quality of our bats yesterday were outstanding as they were tonight. We just found some holes in terms of scoring position tonight. And you look up and we have an eight spot up there on the board. And, you know, that happens. It's baseball. Nobody really wants to hear that. But what you'd love to see is the consistency of our process and sticking with it. You know, even late in the game tonight, we're up 8-2, and, you know, Kelnick's up there, and he's working through an at-bat. And to take a walk like that, he's just not giving it away. Um, those are great signs. Hey, Scott, I'm, I'm filling in for NLV.com tonight. Uh, you know, this Rays club hasn't lost five in a row to anybody the last few years, uh, and you've been able to do that. You mentioned you, you match up well against them. What do you see in these matchups this year? What have you been able to take advantage of and why have you had this kind of success against this team? Well, uh, back up a second. You know, we won the, the four games at home, and they were all very close games. I think we won three of them in extra innings or right there walk-off fashion. So uh, we play them – typically we play them very close. I think they're similar to us. You know, they have pretty good pitching. Um, they lean heavily on their bullpen. Uh, offensively, they know how to get on base and do some things there, and they hit home runs. So um, I, I have a ton of respect for them and how they go about it. Uh, we've been on the right side of, uh, you know, five games so far. I hope we can figure it out a couple more times and, and get out of Dodge because they're, they're a good, cool ball club. They, they really are. Uh, we've played well against them, and, you know, I can't really explain it. Other than the fact that our guys know it's a quality opponent over there, we've got to bring our A game against them. And one more thing. Well, I'm sorry, with, with the way that you lost the last two in Texas, heartbreaking fashion, to, to come back and have a nice resounding victory, how much of an emotional boost is it to turn it around in a game like this? Oh, it's certainly a nice nice win um, after coming off the back-to-back walk-off losses in Texas that typically we haven't experienced a whole lot this year. We've had some tough losses this year. We had a tough one earlier in the year against Cleveland, a game we should have won. But this this ball club, they, they, they got a lot of fight now. They, they don't quit. They don't feel sorry for themselves. They show up the next day. We go to work and figure out to beat the, the next opponent. So um, I really love our team. I think I talked about it all year long and, and how we don't get too high or too low. We can certainly get high. I shouldn't say that. We've been <laughs> on a couple of really highs high this year, but we don't get too low. Show up to work the next day and figure out a way to win a ball game. Okay, so tonight the Mariners take on Tampa again. 4-10 first pitch. Yusek Kuchi will get the ball. Luis Patino, who came over in the San Diego trade uh, for Blake Snell, will get the ball for Tampa. An electric, hard-throwing right-hander. So the Mariners will have their hands full. Day baseball coming up on Wednesday, 10-10. Logan Gilbert against Josh Fleming. That'll be a fun one, too, as the Mariners look for a series win against Tampa Bay. Then on to New York over the weekend. We'll talk all about that as we move on through the podcast during the course of this week. In the meantime, Abraham Toro off to an excellent start for the Mariners and Shannon Dreher a chance to sit down with the newest Mariner. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's been crazy, you know. I just uh, didn't really expect it. I mean, I knew the possibility was there, but, you know, when after I, I get traded, it was a little bit of a shock. But, you know, I was just happy to be 
here with a young team. And actually, my family was going to a road trip uh, in San Francisco. So I had to call them right away, like, hey, don't it was like the day after. So, hey, don't go. Don't go there because I'm just getting traded. So um, at least I had time to do that. And then I didn't see the response because I had to go stretch and get ready for the game. So it was obviously it was a crazy, crazy week. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying all of this with a smile right now. I listened to your initial interview and it was a little more hesitant than I can imagine, but you've settled down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, you know, guys making me feel comfortable. So now I'm, like you said, just set, settling. Yeah. What's something you learned from a teammate on the Astros? Um, there, there are vet, vet, a lot of veterans there. So I had a chance to, you know, to talk to a lot of guys. I had a lot of years and just whatever they do either on the field or outside the field to get, you know, their body ready. So I, I've learned a lot from, you know, especially Altuve and Michael Brownlee is one of the you know, most professional guys that I've met so far. So there was a lot of, a lot of good things I got to say about that organization. What's it like to go into a clubhouse of a team that you just faced the night before? Um, it, it was a little easier because there's some guys that I played in the minor leagues, you know, Shed Long, Lewis, uh, you know, done. So, so it was, you know, made, they made me feel good. So, and especially they're a young team, uh, you know, me being also being young. So it, it was a pretty easy transaction. I would imagine that you looked around and you thought, well, opportunity, there's a lot of young players. This is a growing group. I'm a young player. I'm growing. Well, what have they said to you about what your opportunity is here? Oh, I mean, just uh, when I, when I came in, I went out, uh, to the manager's office and he said that, uh, if I was comfortable playing second base, I haven't really played there, but I said, you know, yes, I'm comfortable. Uh, every day I'm getting more work done. So just just being here and learning a new position, I'm, I'm ready for this challenge. I hope you know you're in good hands with Perry Hill. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's been great. Every day, you know, we go for early work and he's every day I'm learning from him. Just kind of curious, is there anything that he does that's different in the early work than you've done before? It's just about he's all about, you know, rep repetition, perfection. So he he will say the same thing to you until you get it done. So he, he doesn't like do anything fancy, like any drill that are, you know, out of this world. He just likes the basics, likes, you know, the fundamentals. And just we go over and over again until you, you are perfect with it. Yeah, I, I watch it every day when we're there. And I'm like, I think I want to go take infield work one day. It actually looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, he, he's he's really good. I've been in the span of a couple of days. I've been learning. Fantastic. Uh, what are you learning about J.P. Crawford, uh, your new double play partner? Oh, I mean, he's a gold glover. So, you know, every day he's kind of guiding me with the position where to, where to, you know, where to play. So every day I, I got a question for him and he's been good, you know, being the leader of, you know, of the infield. Uh, every like every new batter, I look at him and he say, hey, you know, maybe go a little to the right, to the left, you know. If this comes up, maybe do this. So he's been good to guide me in that position. Fantastic. Hey, where was the home run last night? I'm expecting him every day now. Yeah, I mean, I hope it was that easy. Yeah. <laughs> Doubles aren't bad either. We like those too. Hey, tell us a little bit about your, your baseball journey. You grew up in Canada, in Montreal. Yeah. So, and how did you come to baseball? I mean, uh, my family being, you know, for Venezuela and baseball is the first, uh, obviously the, the the main sport over there. So my uh, my dad and my mom they love baseball, and you know since I was a little kid I played baseball, and all my friends were like, why why don't you play hockey? I'm like, no, I mean I, I like baseball, and I ended up you know playing my whole life, I, and then ended up being to a small junior college in Oklahoma, and that's where I got. It. Yeah. 
I haven't stopped ever since. What's your first baseball memory? My first baseball memory? Uh, I just just remember being on the on the tee ball, and I just I just couldn't couldn't hit it, and I was like, but I still had a lot of fun. So that that's when when you're not good at it, but still like it, that's when you know you really really like the sport. There you go. Were you always an infielder? Uh, I used to pitch a little bit when I was younger, but I always liked the infield better. Who'd you like to watch play? I like, there's a lot of guys. I like the Omar Vizquel infielder. Um, I like Albert Pujols. He was one of the, one of the, Vladimir Guerrero, uh, Troy Tulowitzki, one of my favorite players too. So there's a lot of guys that I, that I liked when I was young. I mean, uh, my family being, you know, for Venezuela and baseball is the first, uh, obviously the, the, the main sport over there. So my, uh, my dad and my mom, they love baseball. And, you know, since I was a little kid, I played baseball and all my friends were like, why, why don't you play hockey? I'm like, no, I mean, I, I like baseball. And I ended up, you know, playing my whole life I, and then ended up being to a small junior college in Oklahoma. And that's where I got, I haven't stopped ever since. Now, what is your hometown? I saw it in baseball reference. I wasn't sure how to pronounce it. Uh, it's called Longay. No, oh, I'm glad I didn't try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and where is it? And how big is it? What was it like growing up there? I just it's just outside of Montreal. It's it's not really big, but I mean, there's 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 still good good baseball in my opinion over there. And but like I said, hockey is obviously the main the main sport over there. But you still got I think baseball's growing more and more uh, over the last couple of years and over there. How much would you like to see a team in Montreal again? Oh, I would love it. I remember when I was a kid, I, I went to a couple of Expos games. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think 04 was the last year. I was there at, at the last game against uh, the Marlins. And, uh, I mean, it would be it would be really fun if they can come back, for sure. What do you remember about games there? Uh, I remember watching Vladimir Guerrero when he was in Expo. And then I remember watching a, a young Miguel Cabrera, but he was an outfielder for the Marlins. And I thought he was pretty good. And, and he was, yeah, he was really young at the time. And that's, and that, that was kind of like my two biggest memories watching those two guys. What's it like to see Vlad's son now sometimes across the field? Yeah, no, he's actually born in Montreal. Uh, I haven't had the chance to talk to him, but you know, if, we're going to play him soon. So I'm going to say that, Hey man, we were born in the same city, you know, so we'll talk about that. You had a big, we on uh, the Mariners. I don't know if you know about it, but um, James Paxton a few years back threw a no hitter. He's Canadian, other side of Canada, uh, threw it in Toronto. You had a big moment in Toronto as well. You were part of Justin Verlander's no hitter. What do you remember about that day? It, that was also a crazy day because I wasn't supposed to play that day. I wasn't in the lineup. And then uh, maybe an hour before the game, they're like, uh, Guriel, he had some, something that was bothering him. So like, hey, Toro, you're in there. And I remember I was having a terrible game. It was 0 for 3, two strikeouts, like just nothing. And then when I have that last at bat, it was, you know, like obviously a clutch situation. I was pretty locked in. And when I hit that home run, um, at the beginning, I didn't even realize like the impact of it. And then obviously run under to that no hitter and then you know everybody gave me a hug and, and they were pretty cool so it was a huge moment too did you you made or you you turned the final out of that game too i did have the last ground ball again yeah good grief did you get anything from that game or take anything from that game um yeah just like being you know it was like obviously being under pressure i guess just trying to be calm because you know <laughs> last you know no hitter last last uh ground ball you 
you don't want to, you know, be too excited or whatever. So you want to just be calm and the control to make sure you get the last out. What's something you learned from a teammate on the Astros? Um, there, there are a lot of veterans there. So I had a chance to, you know, to talk to a lot of guys. I had a lot of years and just whatever they do, either on the field, outside the field to get, you know, their body ready. So I, I've learned a lot from, you know, especially Altuve and Michael Brown is one of the you know, most professional guys that I've met so far. So there was a lot of, a lot of good things I got to say about that organization. How did you get from Montreal to professional baseball? When did you know that you had a shot at doing this? Um, once I honestly, well, like uh, at 19, when I when I went to junior college and I went to Oklahoma, that's when I my my body started, you know, started growing. To, uh, the first time I actually you know, uh, took weight seriously, so I was 10 couple pounds, and I, uh, all my abilities were starting to go up. So that's when I, I thought I had like a legit chance to make it to the, to the big leagues. And what was draft day like for you? It was, uh, you know, just a lot of nerves. You know, just you don't know what's going to happen. I was watching the draft on, on my computer and then, you know, just watching all these all these guys. Think, and then um, my advisor at the time, now my agent, he called me 10 seconds before the pick and they're like, watch the computer. And then right away I got picked and it was kind of like, my mom was there. She cried. So it was it was a really special moment, too. Lastly, just a couple questions about you. Where do you live in the off season? I still live uh, a little outside Montreal, so I just that's where I, where I always live. Yeah. All right. Uh, when you go home, what is it that you want your mom to make for dinner for you? Uh, she makes a really good lasagna. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know it's like kind of like uh, just an easy dinner, but it's it's what I like. That sounds fantastic. Uh, lastly, I mean, if you can plan your perfect day, you got a day off baseball, you don't have to do anything baseball. What does your perfect day look like? My perfect day, um, it would be, you know, just get, I like to get breakfast by, I mean, Seattle by the water, really nice, get me coffee, just walk, you know, just, just being alone time, just, just walk. And then uh, at night, I like me a nice, a nice steakhouse and then maybe go to the movies. That would be like my my day for me just a long time and just have a good time pretty chill day but it sounds nice (laughs) all right abraham we'll talk to you more when you get back thank you all right thank you Great to visit with Abraham Toro, as now we get a chance to sit down with Jake Mailhot. You can find his writing at both Fangraphs and LookoutLanding.com. A recent piece caught my eye. Just about what a wild season this has been. We've talked, of course, about run differential with the Mariners, how much luck is involved, what kind of things are sustainable. Just that whole kind of conversation about the Mariners season. And Jake wrote a very interesting piece, and that's where we will start our conversation. I was going. I was thinking about the 2018 team, and that that was another team that really outperformed, you know, their expected win record. And we can use um, different uh, equations to figure out what a team's expected win record is. And and the 2018 Mariners, they overperformed by 0.74 percent. They won 0.74 percent more games than then than you would have thought. This team, the 2021 Mariners, have overperformed by 0.87%, which is uh, one of the largest differences in expected win percentage since 1900, which is pretty incredible. It's, it's a historic overperformance. 
But when you think about the way that the Mariners are built, they're they're sort of built to overperform their expected win percentage, right? They're they have an excellent bullpen. They've got a fantastic core of really solid relievers that really help them win those really close games. And then they've got a, a an offense that really performs well in in the clutch, right? They I mean, Dylan Moore's grand slam against the Astros is a perfect example. When the game is on the line, they have really performed excellently. And that's allowed them to win a bunch of really close games. When you look at the bullpen, it's like, yeah. I mean, that that part of it is like, yes. When you group together four or five really good relievers, you have a chance to win a lot of close games. The other aspect, the offensive side of things has been so interesting. And I've been looking at it from a home run perspective because a lot of those clutch moments have been on the long ball. I don't know how to quantify this, but they have a knack for hitting the two or three run home run when they really need it, which is great. I don't know how sustainable that is, but it's great. <laughs> it is great. It, and it makes for some really dramatic baseball too. I was in my piece at look at landing. I was looking at their um, team WRC plus, um, based on, you know, how, if there's a runner on base or if there's no runners on base. So when there's no runners on base, they have a WRC plus of 76, which is 29th in baseball, which is, it's really bad. But when, as soon as a runner reaches base, that mark jumps up to 114, which means they're 14% better than league average. That's fifth in the majors. And then it's even higher when a runner's in scoring position, 125, which is 25% better than league average. And that's third in the majors. So as soon as runners reach base and, and, then they get to second and third our batters are are playing extremely well and that's really helped us score runs in really big situations so when you look at the landscape obviously a disappointing series uh, over the weekend in texas uh, in the mix of things with the uh, oakland and toronto and the yankees how are you thinking about this last two months as we head down the stretch uh i i mean i think we i mean we've banked all these wins right we have 56 wins and that's that's got us into a really good position in the wild card race. Jared Kelnick is starting to turn it around. Um, I think, you know, we're, our team is good enough to stick around in the race and make things really interesting in the last two months. But like we said, like the, this performance in close games isn't really, um, you know, predictive of future success. Right. And these last two games in Texas are really a good example of that. Like, our bullpen is going to blow a couple of games and it just so happened that it happened in two games in a row in Texas. And that was, <laughs> that was really, that was really unfortunate. So I think, you know, our team is good enough that they're, they're young enough and they, and they've shown well enough to play in these really close games that they're going to make these next two months really interesting. Um, and this, these series against the Rays and the Yankees, those this these two series are going to be really critical to really see like how how well they can stick with these teams that are at the top of their the, the division in the uh, AL East. How do you see the A's right now? They made some really good acquisitions at the trade deadline. Starling Marte, he's going to be a great addition to their outfield, and they made some good depth um, additions in Josh Harrison and um, Jan Gomes. They're in the pole position, so they they're in control of their own destiny. They just need to to win. Uh, to, to maintain their grip on that second wild card spot. And they're, they're going to hold off the Yankees and, and Blue Jays, I think, but it's going to come down to the wire. It's going to be really close. It'll be a really fun wild card race down in September. Uh, you appear on Fangraphs uh, from time to time as well. And I, I saw you mention Logan Gilbert in an article recently. How impressed mm-hmm. have you been with the young Mariners, Righty? He's, he's been phenomenal. He has been so good. 
Um, his fastball is incredible. He gets such a great extension on the on his fastball. His his um, velocity is already above average. But when you add in the the elite extension that he gets on on his release, he his fastball plays up even even higher. And that I mean that just that gives him a, a huge foundation to build off of. And then his slider is turning around. His slider has been excellent the last few starts. And his changeup, his changeup, he he his feel for his changeup comes and goes. But when it's on, it's a deadly weapon. Batters cannot make contact with his with his changeup, and so that that gives him a really great weapon against left-handed batters. Um, I think he's he's got a, a huge ceiling, and it's been really fun to watch him um, take take the reins and run with it this year. Is there anyone you're eyeing in particular this last two months? I mean, I, I'd really love to see Jared Kelnick continue to hit. His change in his batting stance that he made a couple days ago, uh, that's a huge step forward for him. I think it'll really unlock um, his ability to go the other way and hit for power. I was I was reading this thread on Twitter. It was comparing his two batting stances. And last year when he was at the alternate site, he was seeing the same pitchers over and over again. And so he's changed his batting stance to 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 you know hit well against those same pitchers that he was seeing over and over again, and he continued those habits over into this year. But now that he's facing you know all sorts of different pitchers, those all sorts of different looks, and that batting stance that he switched to last year wasn't working for him. And so he the the stance that he switched back to in the last couple of days has really helped him out to get um, solid contact and and hit for power as well. I am super pumped to see Kalnick and Wander Franco on the field at the same time. Oh, yeah, that's going to be quite a battle. That's going to be really great. Uh, what are you working on? What What's uh, in the future for you? What are you thinking about? Um, I've got some stuff about uh, – I, I was going to write about the Rockies and their, and, and their kind of, you know, what they were doing at the trade line or, or what they weren't doing at the trade line, more like. I've got a bunch of, um, you know – looks at uh, a few different pitchers around the league, um, some young pitchers that have come up. Albert Aloze for the Cubs. He's looking really interesting. And Tuki Toussaint for the Braves. I've been working on a piece for him as well. And then, you know, continue to look at the Mariners and and seeing how they perform in these really close games, seeing if they continue to overperform their luck or come back to, to earth a bit. So it's funny you mentioned the trade deadline. So this one, I'll, I'll admit, this one caught me by surprise. I thought the days of a bunch of top 100 guys being sent away were kind of over. Mm. The level of activity of this deadline, it shocked me. And some of the prices, like Barrios trade, for example. Yeah. What, what was your takeaway from the deadline? It was wild. It was, <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. Like we were, I mean, we're covering, at Fangraphs, we were covering the trade deadline. And we wrote, you know, like 60 different pieces because there's so many trades going on and it, it was it was just i was watching my twitter feed scroll through and, and it was like the blue jays paid what for that the the dodgers paid this for for scherzer and turner like it, it was just insane like the prices that were coming in and so i mean thinking about what the mariners did to pull off their castillo trade and and then you know not move any of their top 100 prospects for these rentals i think it was it was a pretty shrewd trade deadline for the mariners we got our, our closer for the next few years in Castillo, but we didn't have to pay, you know, these exorbitant prices for these rentals that, you know, would, yeah, would have really set back our, our farm system a few years if we had. Without the waiver deadline, I wondered how much that impacted and made a 
this kind of difference, or if it was just happened to be you where a bunch of guys were coming up on contracts. So it ended up being a flurry of activity. Yeah, it, it it is really interesting because, you know, in the in the years past, that August deadline was sort of like that second chance for these teams who maybe had a really good August to, to bolster their roster right before September. But now that second deadline isn't isn't uh, part of the rules anymore. And so this really was the last chance for all these contending teams to make their their moves. And, and I think we saw a bit of that. And I, we saw some of that last year too, with you know, the, with the shortened season and the and the deadline in, in August and just the single deadline. We saw a bunch of trades right there at the at the end of um, last year's uh, trade deadline. So I think it it really helps teams really commit to whether they're going to be contenders or not with only just the single deadline at, at the end of July. Well, I can't wait to see what you write about the Rockies. I thought they really could have kickstarted their rebuild with yeah. the. <laughs> Story and Gray, even Marquez, if they wanted to dip into that market, they really, really kickstarted their whole rebuild, which is inevitably going to have to happen for them. Yeah, I, it, it's it's sort of interesting that their front office is is really in a period of transition, with Jeff Burdich leaving the the organization earlier this year, and so I think they they were in this weird position where they have an interim GM who didn't want to make all these really like franchise altering moves but they have these free free agents to be that they really needed to move. And so it was just this weird confluence of circumstances. And it was, it was really unfortunate for them. I think we played a fun game on the air yesterday. We were talking about, uh, we asked the question, take the Dodgers trade out of the mix. Who do you think will make the biggest impact who has dealt at the deadline for their new team? Oh, that's a fantastic question. So many options, right? (laughs) There are so many options. I mean, I I think the Yankees adding Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo that's that's a huge those are two huge additions for them. They had some really big black holes at first base, and and Joey Gallo and both of them are left-handed hitters, and so they, it gives them a really balanced lineup between right and left-handed hitters. And I mean, they're both of those guys are just going to launch balls in in Yankee Stadium. It's going to be a crazy series later this week in Yankee stadium, there's going to be balls flying out of the stadium. I just hope at some point they roll out the outfield of Gallo judge and Stan. I just want to, (laughs) I want to see the most enormous outfield in baseball history. Oh boy. That would be, that'd be something else. When you look at the Tampa coming up, Yankees coming up, how big is this rest of this trip for the Mariners? And what are your expectations for this trip against two really good teams at their place? Yeah, that's it's it's really tricky. We played the Rays so well. We I mean we swept them in the four games in Seattle earlier in June. So this upcoming Rays series, I think we'll we'll play really well against the Rays. I think we match up pretty well. We've our offense has been doing really well. And if we can, you know, in in our series in Texas, we had a bunch of guys on base. We just couldn't score them, and that was sort of our problem. If we can do the same thing against the Rays and, and then come through with our clutch hitting like we have been all year, I think we'll have a really competitive series there. And then the Yankees, it's that's going to be a really tough series because they're those two additions, Gallo and Rizzo. They're just gonna it's it's going to be a lot tougher to face them. Um, I think if we can go four and three against the Rays and the Yankees, that would be a, a victory. That, I would take that all day long. And it'll be a really good test to see how well we can match up with these with these teams that are really in the driver's seat as far as you know getting into the playoffs. I know the Yankees aren't in the in a playoff position yet, but those additions that they made really really helped them 
push the envelope as far as, you know, getting into the playoffs. So it'll be a, it'll be a really good test for the Mariners. Jake, tell everyone where to find you. I am writing on Lookout Landing. I write series previews um, every week for every series. And then I, I write um, biweekly for Fangraphs. Twitter as well. Don't forget. Twitter as well, at Jake Mailhot. Nice. Jake, it was great to catch up. Great to see yeah. you. Thanks for having me, Gary. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.